0: Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this first day back in September edition of the Sheila Zelensky Show. Many of you have been messaging asking me when I am back on the air, and of course you know I was in New York, and I cut my trip short to attend to a very urgent personal family matter dealing with health and I really can't discuss the details, but when I tell you it's urgent, I'm not underscoring that, and your prayers for my family right now would be greatly appreciated. I'm talking about my immediate family. My patrons and the people that are subscribed to my e-newsletter did get an update the other day, so you are in the loop. Again, I'd really appreciate your prayers for my family at this time. I am using a loaner computer right now. I had my iMac crash. And so I've got this loner computer for a week. I'm going to try to get as many shows as I possibly can done. Well, and you know what? It's been a while since I talked to you and I thought who better to bring on my program than the best guest that I could. And I'm not underscoring this statement. I believe he is truly an incredibly anointed preacher, prophet, evangelist. He's just been endowed with an incredible apostolic calling. It is such a pleasure to bring him back on the program for a very sobering discussion, quite frankly. I got a few things to say in this show that is not going to make me popular. And you know what I'm entitling this show today? Prove who you are. You're not going to hear this in your Sunday service. And who better to join me than my very good dear friend, he's been a good friend of the program, Dr. Daniel Murano Danny, welcome to the program, sir. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Oh,
0: great to be here, Sheila. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to it.
1: Well, you and I talk a lot. And the other night, you and I were talking on the phone. And I said, you know, what the heck is going on really in the church? There is just pure insanity that is going on in what we call the church today. You've written a book on the counterfeit church. We're now listening to sermons entitled Would Jesus Wear a Rolex? And what's their conclusion? Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. These are the conversations that are occupying our pulpit. The the true church is barely recognizable. It's a cheap knockoff of the it's not even a cheap knockoff of the real thing anymore, Danny. We're listening to Jesse, your favorite supplantist, deplantis, tell you, I'm not asking you to fund my $64 million jet. I'm just asking you to believe. I mean, how does that work? What kind of mind-blinding, disgusting degeneracy that is so far removed from the original gospel of Jesus Christ? Look at what's being promulgated in the church today. It's appalling is what it is.
0: Well, I mean, it's just craziness, isn't it? It's just uh, excess it's inexplicable. You know, the thing is it ties into culture. I always talk about the church is embedded in the culture, you know where it sits. And the what's called the church, you know what people call the Christian church, and especially these uh, more modern streams of it, they're just living out. They're a mirror of their culture, you know, they're a mirror of the culture. look, The original apostasy and heresy, and I got into this a lot in my book, Counterfeit Church, and the teachings I've done. The original heresy and apostasy started out with the Roman Catholic system. What was it imitating? What was it emulating? What was it mirroring? It was mirroring the Roman Empire. All of its rituals, all of its government, all of its emphases, you know, they were all just echoes of what was going on in the secular world around the church. So we have the same thing today. We've discipled them in covetousness and greed and lasciviousness. So what is the aspiration? The aspiration is to be one of these Wall Street Ponzi schemers and that's what has you know surfaced in what is being called the church you have a bunch of Ponzi schemers playing the same game they want to they want to emulate the Wall Street money moguls and the celebrities of Hollywood and you know all these reigning influences are the reigning influences in our culture and so that's what you have in the postmodern apostate church. So it's no surprise that all around us, everything, that the focus is money, 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 success, 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 happiness, pleasure, and of course, even perversion and twistedness. And so this church, as it's gotten worldlier and worldlier, starts to mirror that to such a ridiculous extreme that it's almost a circus-type atmosphere, and that's what's going on. These are the aspirations of the culture. I mean, this is what all around the entertainment industry has molded people's minds. Even the political realm has molded people's minds. And now the religious world, i.e. Christian, has just gotten into step with the culture and what it's all about. And it's about selling tickets to an event. That's what it is. That's what the seeker-friendly churches and the charismatic churches and and all pretty much all of the American style churches are based on today is selling tickets to an event. And people want to hear what they want to hear. They come with covetousness and greed and aspiration for success for their best life now and for, you know, their hundredfold Return. They come with this in their hearts. I mean, they don't have to work very hard at all. They appeal to that seed of wickedness that has grown up in supposed Christians' hearts. I mean, they're being inundated with that 24 7 from the secular culture. So you just whitewash it. It's interesting what Jesus called the religious leaders of his day, he called them whitewashed tunes. You know on the outside they appear clean and you know in other words religiously and ceremonially pure because of the words they're using the rituals they're practicing but he said but underneath it's dead men's bones and you have the same thing going on here you have the same worldly culture being elevated and worshipped and perpetuated in these so-called churches, but it's just whitewashed. It's painted with a pure veneer, which is even less and less anymore. I mean, it's starting to get even more perverted right within the walls of the so-called church. Of course, there's been a culture created on its own, which is based on the wizardry and the you know the craziness of of the religious spirit, the way that that thing manifests by itself. It's very unique. It's a cheap imitation of the world. I believe that people that are truly successful, very rich and wealthy sinners in this world just laugh when they look at the, the Ponzi schemes that are going on. It's the religious version of Bernie Madoff. and you know they just can't believe that these people would be so gullible to buy into this in god's name it's really sickening and it's disheartening what they would recognize in the world okay i'll give you a perfect example of that you know i mentioned bernie madoff the ponzi schemer okay he got away with this for three decades well this whole charismatic word of faith prosperity type movement's been going on for about 30 40 years okay so it's, it's a good parallel well this may off, what did he do? He took people's money based on the fact that he was going to give the, them this incredible, ridiculous return on their money. And he built up this whole culture and this whole myth about himself that you can't lose with Bernie. And in fact, you may not even be able to get into Bernie's fun because it's so exclusive. He's not willing to just accept anyone. There was an elitist vibe that he created in his con that made people lust to get in there to get raped and pillaged. And you have the same thing going on in this false prosperity church culture. It's an elitist spirit that says, you know, only the people who really have faith, only the people who are really tuned in to the creative word and speaking things into existence and practicing the law of attraction of drawing good things to themselves. Only the spiritual elite, kind of like what the Gnostics were back in the day, and a spiritual elite that learned the secrets the keys, the rules, the laws of the prosperous kingdom, and so on and so forth. But the same thing that was practiced with Madoff and with many Ponzi schemers in the secular world is even more accentuated and easier to pull off in the religious world. Because eventually, eventually, When the crash came and started in 2006 and so on, people actually asked for a monitoring of what was going on. They asked for a tally. They wanted some proof that the money that they invested, they could take out. It was was still a closed system that when it crashed on him, he was trapped by. Here's the difference. With this religious game, It's an open system, Sheila. There's no resolution to this thing because it's all in God's hands. You understand? And there's always an explanation or an excuse for why it's not working for certain people. And there are no records kept. There's no monitoring of results according to people's giving. It's an open-ended thing of, listen, God is going to do this for you. But then when it doesn't happen, of course, we always have the out of well, you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways and his timing is beyond our understanding. And perhaps you don't really have faith. You're not really believing in this thing. You're not appropriating what you need to appropriate. You're not speaking the things into existence well enough that you need to be speaking into existence. You have sin in your life. It goes on and on and on. But the bottom line is, there's no monitoring of it. It's funny. I saw this um, this clip of Creflo steal your dollar, and he was kind <laughs> of beating his people up. And he said, yeah, y'all tell me I should stop. All I preach is money. All I talk about is money. Everything is money. Well, when I see that y'all have some money then I won't have to preach about money anymore. When a few thousand of y'all come up to me and say, we got plenty of money now, then I'll stop preaching about money. Well, you know what? He thought he was making a great point. But for me, if I was in a court of law, I would turn that around on him and say, well, where's the evidence? If you don't have anybody coming up out of all these perhaps millions of people that you've been preaching this, you know, fake gospel to for the last 40 years, and you can't come up with a thousand people that can come up to you and tell you that your system works, that I'm sorry, I'm going to turn that one back on you. And let's run another test. Let's have the people stop giving completely and let's watch you run on your faith with your system. And let's see how long you continue to live at this prosperous level that you're claiming to your adherents you're getting through your faith. But the truth of the matter is... It's a Ponzi scheme, just like in the world where the Ponzi schemer, the guy who comes up with the Ponzi scheme, he draws the money from the people who invest into the Ponzi scheme and he uses that money to create the illusion that he has already succeeded at this and he's just standing in front of them as an example for them to follow you see what i mean this is what my faith has gotten me in the religious sense this is what my faith has gotten me this is how god has blessed and prospered me now if you follow this false demonic stuff that i'm teaching to you you can have the same thing but the truth of the matter is you took an offering didn't you con man you're preaching the the religious tax of rome the tithe aren't you con man so let's take that away from you and let's let you run on that for a year. And let's see how long you last without the people giving in to your system. And let's see if it's really your faith that's causing you to live on that level because this is what secular ponzi schemers do. They take the money from people, they start buying yachts, they buy mansions, they travel all around the world, and they say, "Look, invest into this into this uh fund or whatever it is, and you'll you know, get these ridiculous returns like I'm getting, and you'll live the lifestyle that I'm getting. Meanwhile, when the bubble bursts, when some unexpected turn occurs, some wind blows, which I believe comes from God many times, just like it did with the Madoff thing, uh, the wind blows in a different direction, and all of a sudden it gets exposed. We find out every time That the Ponzi schemer was living off the money that the people gave and creating this illusion that this was coming from the ingenious returns from his strategy for making money. Well We have this con going on in what's called the church, what I call the counterfeit church. But the problem is they're never taken to task. It's never monitored. And when when steal your dollar said this, he actually exposed himself, in my opinion, because if you don't have that many people who can stand up and testify that that has occurred for them and you need to keep preaching another 40 years to get some type of result then for me, you've just shown me that your system doesn't work at all, and I have to question where you're getting your money from. You see what I'm saying? But in the religious world, we don't have um, these checks and balances, okay, like in Republican government, okay? You don't have the checks and balances, to monitor these things and and call these things into accountability. Francis Schaeffer, a very intelligent theologian and writer about 40 years ago, who started to see these trends and wrote about them. He talked about when it comes to religion Men go into the irrational. They they jump up into the upper story. Okay, the lower story is down here on earth where everything is by reason and common sense and mathematics and science. And they're very rational, okay? Some of the most very rational people, when they get religious, for some reason, they think that all natural law is suspended when we get spiritual. And we leap up into the upper story and we require none of the acid tests that we would require if we went to some type of secular discipline. Like if I went to a doctor, or I went to a lawyer, or I went to uh, business in the natural. I would never invest money in a business week after week after week after, you know, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. See none to, you know, little to no returns and not monitor that thing and say okay let's break this thing down and find out what's wrong here what's going on okay but in quote unquote spirituality people are brain raped into believing that that's sinful to question the word that god has brought through his prophets to question the revelation to question god about his timing about his performance Uh, in our conversation the other night, you mentioned where God said, test me, prove me, where he said that to Job. Call me to account. Uh, Remind me of the things that you've done and that you've uh, invested into my kingdom. Remind me of these things. Challenge me, test me, prove me. I will prove myself a true and faithful God. But see, These hucksters, these wolves in sheep's clothing, they, of course, also operate with the weapon of fear and intimidation. And they keep people cowered into a corner, afraid to ask questions.
1: And yet that's exactly what people should be doing is asking questions. But I'm not just blaming these false preachers. I mean, let's not forget... There are people that are packing out the Joel Osteen Church. There's not 40,000 people sitting in those seats for no reason. Tell us more, Joel, about your best-selling book, I Am. And he's not talking about the I Am that Moses met. No, I Am coming up higher. I Am highly blessed, highly favored. I Am
0: Satan's servant. <laughs> yeah, that should be. It. I am the Theosophic God of the Law of Attraction. Come listen to me preach my occult witchcraft. Uh, you know, Anton LaVey whitewashed. That's what it is, people. I'm sorry to break it to you. I put up some videos, and you guys should check it out on my uh, website and on my Facebook page. You know, exposing of the fake Word of Faith movement, prosperity movement, and especially the end part of it goes into. And I've talked about this before in my teachings. The actual origin of this teaching and where it came from, where Hagen got his teaching from, where he stole it from, and even to the point plagiarized in his books that he claimed With direct revelation from the Holy Spirit and even Jesus speaking to him, it's funny that the words that are used can almost exactly and in some places exactly be traced to the writings of E.W. Kenyon, who was a part of the Theosophic Society, who learned a lot of his teaching and trade from the occultism of Helena Blavatsky and others who were avid Satanists, okay? And this is how this creeped into the charismatic church through the teachings of uh, Granddaddy or Daddy Hagen, whatever they call him. You know, he passed on about 20 years ago. And, of course, with each Xerox copy, it got worse and worse and worse. I mean, Hagen came originally from some orthodoxy through the Assembly of God Church. But when we got to Kenneth, Can You Cope With Heresy? I mean, there was not the same amount of that. And when we went to the, you know, as his disciples came, you know, Jesse supplant us and the others that came out and Creflo Dollar. And now the next generation is even worse. They have no foundation in the, the word of God. So it's not even a twisting of the word of God anymore. At this point, these guys, they had to twist the word of God, Fred Price and all these other. They had to twist the word of God because the people in the pews had read parts of the Bible so they had to use the bible unfortunately if you'll notice that mr mr smiles he doesn't need to use the bible he just gets up and starts talking he doesn't even have to use the bible in fact when he's been questioned about the bible he's made you know a few very embarrassing mistakes you know putting old testament characters in the new testament and vice versa showing that he really has Has no handle on the scriptures at all why should he his audience has no handle on the scriptures I guarantee you they can quote Oprah they can quote Tyler Perry they can quote Anthony Robbins perhaps they're deep enough to quote Deepak Chopra and some of these other uh, satanic false occult teachers but can they quote Jesus can they quote the Apostle Paul Do they know the scriptures? Absolutely not. Most of them maybe have never even really read the scriptures, and these teachers don't even have to twist the scripture anymore in order to deceive, because the people don't even know. They don't know whether that thing that's outlined in the middle of the page, you know, in a book uh, that's put in a big bolded caption, they they don't know if that's scripture or if that's something that the writer said. Because today people don't have any navigation of text and things like that from the scripture. People don't know it. So these false teachers are able to get away with that. Whereas uh, a generation or two back, these guys, they had to take... The words of jesus mostly the words of paul a half sentence of paul or something out of context and they had to twist that or yeah i mean some ministries like uh you know the kenneth can you cope with heresy ministry they've run their whole ministry based on a salutation given in third john verse two above all things brethren i pray that you that you prosper even as your soul prospers jesus talked about it the scripture talks about the leaven that leaven the whole lump it starts out as a little bit of leaven but eventually it leavens the whole lump it pollutes the whole thing and it started off i mean you know when Hagen started off he started off in the corner as an outcast as you know as the heretic he was Okay. But eventually that spread in and spread in and spread in. I mean, Christian science, where much of this theosophic doctrine came from uh, that E.W. Kenyon spiritually passed on to Hagen. This was a cult. The church said that's a cult. That's wrong. But eventually it made his way into the mainstream churches step by step by step to the point now where it is the standard i mean it was out there i mean when i first became a christian over 30 years ago this teaching was still on the fringes nowhere near the mainstream sentiment of christian belief but i've watched over these three decades this thing move into the center where even Uh, Many of the churches that don't embrace the other parts of the charismatic theology, okay, and so on, have accepted the prosperity message. Okay, just like you had what was originally said by Constantine, or whatever Caesar was there in the Roman Empire, was echoed by the popes. Today, what's said by, for instance, the American Caesar, is echoed by the little popes of these self-appointed Catholic churches. Churches that are submitted completely to the culture of the United States of apostasy in worship to the God of Baal that rules this mystery Babylon of the Northern Hemisphere. And this is what's going on. So it's the same language. So people are listening to the news, right? They're listening to the news and they're hearing that propaganda. When they go into the temples, when they go into these Masonic temples, okay, that are posing as churches, they hear the same thing. When you walk into these Christian temples, what do you see on the stages? You see a lectern, just like the president stands in front of when he makes his speeches. And what do you see on each side? In most traditional churches especially, you see the American flag. And on the other side, you see the Constantinian Christian flag. So there you are. There's the beast. And the false prophet system, married together, what Revelation talks about, the mixture, the unholy mixture of the secular or worldly kingdoms, which, is, which we as Christians are supposed to be completely separated from and sanctified unto the kingdom of Christ, mixed together with the false version of the kingdom of Christ, which is the Christian empire on earth. It's the same thing that you had all through the Middle Ages, Ever since Emperor Constantine baptized the Christian faith in the waters of Roman paganism, we have the same exact thing today. And who is the god that's worshipped in both of these theaters? Horus, okay? Horus, the god of of money, the God on the back of your dollar bill, that's who's worshipped in both of these theaters. I mean, to, to, to such a sickening degree. This is not the church, Sheila. And I know that I am alone in this proclamation. I know that I'm the only one who's out here saying that all of that is not the ecclesia, the body of Christ, the fellowship, okay, the community that Jesus said he would build. He said, upon this rock, I will build my assembly and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, if this is what Jesus built, then he was a liar. Because the gates of hell have definitely prevailed against it. It's come way past the gates, into the very center, onto the pulpit, whatever we want to call it, and planted itself no different than when Hitler had the Lutherans, evangelicals, okay, listen to me, Iowa, the evangelicals, the Lutherans, and the Roman Catholics put the swastika on the center of their churches, and allow the Nazi platform to go forth from their pulpits. It's no different today. That's what we have going on. At that time, the God that they worship was the God of war, okay, the God of forces. Today, it's the God of mammon. Why did Jesus say it so clearly, Sheila? Why did he make that so clear? That you cannot worship God and mammon. Why did he put his finger on that? Because he knew what was going to be manifest especially in the last days
1: but people don't want to hear this kind of message i mean they think we're bad danny and sheila that's not nice have you seen what jesus said to these people you think we're bad jesus caused riots everywhere he went he didn't preach a popular message
0: that's what i tell people many times so you, you know what if you really think that i'm i'm a real terrible person man you wouldn't want to meet jesus Uh, You know, if you think I'm a troublemaker, you wouldn't want to meet Jesus. I'm nothing compared to Jesus. I mean, I don't create half the stir Jesus created when he walked into a town. Every time Jesus arrived anywhere, what does the scripture say about him? And the crowd was divided concerning him. Yeah. Right. There was always a riot. There was always an uproar. There was always a threat for his life everywhere he went. He had to go from one place to another because everywhere he went, they were threatening to kill him. Well, why were they threatening to kill him? If Jesus was coming and preaching the Gospels, and I put it in plural, the Gospels that the supposed church of Christ today preaches, why would they want to kill him? If Jesus came and saying, we're going to take up an offering right now, and as you give your 10%, and for those of you that will go beyond that and sow the seed of faith and speak that creative word over your seed of faith, those who give into this will receive a hundredfold return financially. If Jesus was preaching that, if Jesus was preaching, if you come and follow me, I promise you, that you will be able to decree those things that you want and you'll be able to draw those things to yourself by the word of faith and don't worry about me i don't need to be involved as long as you believe it and you speak that into the spiritual realm and you call those things that are not as though they be because you're just like me you're a little god just like me i've come to show you that you can be just like me i'm no different than you are Uh, I'm God and you're becoming little gods if you believe in what I teach you and you can speak these things into existence and they will come to you and you'll have success and you'll have favor and you'll be the head and not the tail and people will open doors for you and they'll bless you and they'll throw riches at your feet and the wealth of the wicked is laid up just for you and so if jesus was preaching these things do you really think that his life would be threatened everywhere he went do you really think that the crowd would be divided concerning him do you really think that he'd be looking over a cliff they're ready to throw him over on his debut sermon apparently jesus was preaching something that rubbed selfish, wicked, worldly, phony religious people the
1: wrong way. Well, yeah, not only rubbing them the wrong way, but threatening their cushy control over the people. You know, we see that scripture in First Peter 4.13. I guess these tele jellyfish, I guess they forgot that one. They just glossed over much as you are partakers of Christ Sufferings. I guess Osteen and his ilk, they forgot that book title.
0: If we were to take Paul's resume as our example of what we have to look forward to, okay, that he lays out in Corinthians. I've been beaten thirty-nine times, minus one, you know, forty times, minus one. I've been jailed, I've been left for dead, I've been stoned almost to death, I've been shipwrecked at sea, lost at sea three times, I've been beat up by band. I mean, this sounds very prosperous and successful. This sounds like everywhere Paul went, he was just donned with favor. and Everybody loved him. His interviews before the rulers of his world and the great celebrities of his world uh, always seemed to take the form of a trial. He wasn't celebrated as a guest. He didn't come on as a guest motivational speaker that everybody was in awe of and wanted to hear the great principles of success in life that he was coming to share. No, he was usually on trial, and usually by the religious people that brought him before the worldly authorities because they didn't have the power to uh, prosecute him according to the law, so they took him before the secular rulers. And that's where Paul preached Christ. And again, we see how um, grateful those rulers of the world were for Paul sharing that, you know, lovely message with them, that he remained in chains and eventually uh, he was beheaded. Okay, so I just don't know how people, and again, it's probably because they don't, as I said, most people don't even read the Bible. But I don't know how you can read the Bible and listen to these other people False teachings and be able to reconcile these two things and say, yes, this is coming from the same source. It's lunacy. It's insanity. It would be as if, I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell you, it would be as if I got up in a math class and started to teach phys ed and people came to learn, you know, trigonometry, algebra, calculus, basic mathematics, whatever it was. And I got up and started teaching people how to dribble a basketball. How to throw a football how to swing a baseball bat and when the people complained and said i thought this was mathematics well it's all your interpretation you see this is my interpretation of mathematics and you are not allowed to judge my interpretation of mathematics according to sanity and, and things of that nature you're only supposed to accept it because we're all equals And everyone has a microphone, and nothing needs to be tested, nothing's to be judged. After all, the only thing that Jesus ever said before he went to the cross was, judge not. That's the only thing that he ever had to say. He never said, judge the tree by its fruit, apparently. He only said, judge not that you be not judged. So therefore, I can stand up here and pretend to teach you something that you know in your heart and mind has absolutely nothing to do with the subject matter you came to listen about, and you have to accept it because I call myself a teacher. You see? And this is what's going on today in what's called the church. Here's the problem. They've never read the math book themselves. Mm. So when they come to the class, and the, and the teacher starts to teach the other subject, they just say, oh yeah, this must be what it's supposed to be. And in fact, this is familiar to me, because I think I heard this on Oprah last week. I think I heard this on this uh, TV show, or that TV show, or on YouTube, or on, you know, I read it on Facebook. There was a, a hashtag or a tweet about that. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I can correlate that. I can orient that. But yet, none of it, has to do with what people traditionally have come to a quote-unquote church service for, which is to have an exposition of the Word of God brought to them.
1: Absolutely. We're, we're so far removed, Danny, from the original commission. It's not even funny. Who's turning the world upside down? You and I don't even, we don't even get invited much to go speak at today's so-called churches, these counterfeit churches, but then we really shouldn't be surprised, should we? I doubt Jesus and Paul could even get into a church today.
0: Um, they might get in, but I think they'd be shot in the parking lot, <laughs> probably by the pastor with the pastor's gun. Because this is what, you know, this is the culture that we live in. How dare you come in and tell me that I'm wrong? Yet, Paul said this, when he was instructing Timothy, he told Timothy, this is the duty of a preacher. Your job is to, imagine this in today's culture, Sheila. You go to a a modern hip church today. You get up and you say, This is the preacher's commission to show people where their lives are wrong.'" That's what Paul told Timothy he was supposed to be doing. Yeah. He was supposed to use the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit to show people where their lives are wrong, not to inspire people. If you read the scripture, if you truly read the scripture, there's nothing in the New Testament especially, and that's I mean mainly what Christians should be living by today, right? Uh, There's nothing in the New Testament that talks about us making ourselves better people. God does not want to make you a better person. God wants to put your old man to death. You have come to die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the martyr under the Nazi regime, who wrote the book The Cost of Discipleship, said it best, in my opinion, in modern times. He said, when Christ calls a man... He bids a man come and die. Today, so-called, you can't even call them preachers, they don't even call themselves preachers, motivational speakers, life coaches, you know, apostates in whatever form and whatever title they use, they say Christ calls a man to come and live. Come and live a better life in this world. Have your, your best life now. Improve yourself. Succeed. Uh, rise to the greatest heights in this life as possible. Yet, what did Jesus say? If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Not even not think so great about himself. Not You know, don't overemphasize himself. No, Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself in other words as if he doesn't even exist his personality is invisible let him deny himself let him take up his cross which is an instrument of death we all know what the cross was we all know jesus went to the cross what happened to jesus on the cross his physical and soulish life was put to death it was extinguished on the cross The cross is an instrument of death. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. What do the supposed Christian teachers say today? Focus on yourself. Improve yourself. Make yourself a better self. Increase yourself. And in fact, this is what God has come to tell you. I have come from God to tell you that he wants you to be a better you. He wants you to be more of you. The opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've had enough of you. I call you to death. You must die and you must be resurrected in new life in my image so that all the people see When they look in your direction is a reflection of me, not a better and bigger and richer and more successful and prosperous, a better you and a bigger you and more of you. You're grossly deceived people because Jesus does not call us to make more of ourselves. He has not come to teach us how to become more of ourselves a better version of ourselves. We are not called to reconstruction. Even the word reformation that we like to refer to is really a misnomer too. God is not coming to reform us. Jesus came to call us to the cross. I know Jesus paid it all. It's grace. Jesus paid it all. He did it all. He became poor that we may become rich. This is what they preach today, twisting Paul's words again. Meanwhile, if you look at the words of the master, what did he say? He said, if you want to follow me, you have to drink the cup that I drink. Remember when James and John, I mean, they were afraid to ask themselves because they knew this question was way out of line. So what did they do? They, they sent mommy up there thinking that mommy could pull at Jesus' heartstrings. And mommy goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, won't you let my sons sit on one on the left side and one on the right side? And Jesus looked past the mother and looked at the two guys and said, are you willing to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I am willing to be baptized with? Well, according to today's... Gospel people would say absolutely Lord Jesus. I'm ready to prosper I'm ready to walk in divine health. I'm ready to have favor I'm ready to be the head and not the tail I'm ready for everyone to love me and celebrate me and for me to be able to enjoy the pleasures of this life while people that name the same name of Christ in other parts of the world are starving to death and being tortured and martyred for the same name. Yes, I am willing to take that on, okay? But they said in their ignorance to Jesus, yes, Lord, and Jesus said, you have no idea what you're saying. Yeah. And nonetheless, even if you did have an idea of what you were saying, it's still not mine to decide. My father will decide that. I mean, do you see... The contrast between the things that Jesus says and the things that these teachers who claim to be speaking for Christ, what they say.
1: How can these
0: two worlds be reconciled?
1: Well, is it a case, Danny, of John, where is it, 1242, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God? Or is it a mind-blinding spirit? Is it both? Is it deception? I mean, don't they read the scripture, depart I never knew you. Who do they think Jesus is talking to there?
0: They think that Jesus is talking to the atheists. Well, when are atheists,
1: atheists casting out demons? <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. Uh, they think that, uh, you know, the very conservative, right wing Republican, patriotic, gunslinging, flag waving, Trump worshiping Christians of the, you know, the Republican movement, they think that Jesus is talking to homosexuals and lesbians, and Hollywood pedophiles, and, you know, all these kind of people, witches and warlocks. And Meanwhile, what we don't grasp many times as Christians is that the scriptures are not written for and to the sinner. Bingo. The scriptures were written to the believer. If you go through the New Testament, I mean, the only... The only scriptures, taking the New Testament into account especially, the only scriptures that you could say in part were written as a testimony to the unbeliever were the Gospels that declared who Christ was and what he came to do and so on and so forth. Okay, And that's why Jesus said, I'll say this to your audience as well. I know it's hard for you to believe this, but I'm gonna tell you the truth, okay? Jesus did not say, go ye into all the world and teach the Bible. I hate to break it to you, but that's not what Jesus commanded us to do. He did not say, go into all the world and teach the Bible. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The gospel is what God come in the flesh to accomplish what he accomplished in his life, in his sinless life, and in his vicarious sacrifice, and in his glorious and supernatural resurrection, okay, and in his sending of the Holy Spirit to indwell believers. That is the gospel, okay? The rest of the New Testament, pretty much, is for instruction to believers, the Bible or the letters were written to believers. If you go ahead and you read those letters, almost every single one of them, if not every one of them, is written as an answer from an apostle or some type of spiritual leader to people who were who were Christians, who were believers, who were asking questions. And this is how they answered those questions. They wrote back these letters. Paul said, you know, just like I explained in my rapture, why this rapture thing is so twisted is because they don't understand that Paul was answering questions that people were asking. He wasn't presenting a dispensational scheme of end-time events when he was talking about the second coming of Christ in, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, Thessalonians 4. He was answering questions that people had. And that's what the New Testament is. It's the apostles and other leaders of of the uh, Assembly of Christ who were more mature in the faith, instructing their disciples. So the Bible is for the believer. It's not for the unbeliever. You see, we're supposed to preach the gospel to the unbeliever. And we're supposed to teach the scriptures and the sayings and the teachings of Christ and the apostles to the believer, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, in the last part of the program here, Danny, I do want to talk about something that's really weighing heavily on my heart. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit here about your India trip coming up in November. Now, speaking of India, it ties into what I... Well, I'm just going to say it and let the chips fall where they may. I was absolutely gut-wrenchingly disappointed and 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 really saddened by the fact that you couldn't even raise the proper kind of support for your missions trip. But not only that, you had to go off and take a secular job this last year because you couldn't even get enough supporters to come alongside you. I find that appalling. I haven't been able to reconcile that. I'm not okay with this and you know, I'm at the point where I've said to God recently, "I don't even want to do one more show until something changes. It's so disheartening. I've lost like 52 Patreon supporters in the last month. I could barely scratch together enough money to go to New York. My support has really dwindled. The harder I press in, this worse it gets, it seems. And I get that Satan is the god of mammon. He finances his projects. And yeah, I know he's not a big fan of you or I, but Danny, ministries like ours that focus on apostolic healing and deliverance and spiritual warfare and boldly proclaiming the gospel, we're having a really hard time surviving amidst the these lascivious lifestyles of the rich and famous charlatans it's actually to the point where i don't even want to do any more shows i'm so disturbed in my spirit how do i reconcile this danny
0: well it makes sense if everything that i've been saying on this interview is true that it's all a game that it's all fake uh that people are not going to church they're going to the casino And when they go to the casino, they get comped. They get special promises and benefits and things like that to come and give their money and they're promised that they have a chance by giving their money to win much, 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 much more money back. That's the whole reason people go to a casino. Well, that's what these false churches have turned into. That's what the hundredfold return heresy is all about. That's what the seed faith heresy is all about. The word of faith is all about, is that you take this little seed that you have, you throw it into the casino, and you can get a hundredfold return on what you've given. So it goes down to what is the motive, Sheila? What is the motive for people's giving? So we talk a lot about the false teachers, and that's fine. But I always say, there has to be an environment in which these false teachers can thrive. Otherwise, they'd go broke, and they'd go rip people off doing something else. They're able to thrive because of the wickedness and the covetousness and greed that are in the hearts of the listeners. Why are the people coming and why are they giving? Are they giving because they love God and they want to please God? Are they giving because they want to support the true propagation of the message of Jesus to the lost, the hurting, the poor, those who can't pay them back? Are they coming to a sumptuous feast of self-aggrandizement and self-enrichment and self-preoccupation? Or are they coming to the feast of Jesus? What did Jesus say? He said, when you throw a feast, what are these church services every Sunday? What are these conferences and conventions if they are not feasts, religious feasts? Jesus said, when you throw your feast, do not throw the feast for the people who can repay you. But throw the feast for those who cannot repay you, and you will be rewarded in the kingdom of heaven. Well, the whole system that's going on in the churches, and particularly those who focus on all the things that I just talked about with the prosperity gospel and so on, the whole emphasis is about giving to get back more. Jesus said, don't throw the feast for those that you know when they come to the feast, will repay you. Well, what are these false preachers and teachers doing? What kind of feast are they throwing? Are they not throwing a feast knowing that the people that come to this feast are going to give to the cause? Okay, and the other way around, the people that are doing the giving, Sheila, they're doing the giving based on the promise that if they give to God, then God is the one who can pay them back. If you can take Jesus's parable that far and and see it in that light, they actually are seeing the Godhead as their friend or their person that when they give to that person, when they throw the feast for God, when they worship him, when they praise him, when they give their tithes and offerings, when they sow their seed of faith and so on, they're throwing that feast out to Jesus and they believe Jesus is the one who can pay them back for what they're doing. So what's their real motive for giving? Their real motive for giving is to be enriched. But meanwhile, Jesus said something completely different. He said, unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, if you've given unto them, whatever you've done unto the least of these, those who can't pay you back, those who don't have the ability to do something for you, You throw the feast for those people and I will pay you back in the eternal life, not in this life. And I know that blows the big bubble that all that's been being preached for the last 40 years, that what I'm saying is wrong. Well, if what I'm saying is wrong, then Jesus is wrong because that's what Jesus said. Jesus never said, come and I will multiply the little bit that you give out of selfishness because you... really think you can win, you know, at the slot machine, you really think you can win at the blackjack table. So you come with your social security check or your paycheck, and you throw it down, and you're not worried about wasting it, because you're going to win back more. Well, this is the mentality. Think of the people that are getting ripped off by these prosperity pimps and so on in the false church. They're the Walmart crowd okay, mainly. They're, they're the poorer people, okay? And there have been studies done on that of what the people that actually give to these ministries, what the demographic of the people who give to these ministries is. And the demographic is mainly poorer people. Poorer people, older people, and I'm sorry, a majority of what we used to call minority races. People who want to Reach a greater station in life. And they're being told that if they practice these supposed keys to the kingdom, that God's going to cause them to be able to prosper like other rich sinners that they envy, right? The scripture tells us not to envy sinners. That's why ministries like this, you know, what we're doing right now tonight. People are not excited to come and give because I'm not telling you that if you give to this ministry, Jesus is going to give you a hundredfold back in, in money. That if you give to this ministry, God, Jesus is going to make you in the world a very successful person and so on and so forth. No, when I call upon you in Jesus name to give, I'm asking you to give because you love Christ And you want Christ's message to go forth. You want Christ's true ministry of healing and deliverance to go forth. And you mentioned India. I'm ready to go to India in November again. We're supporting with the little bit that we have. I have a couple of people. And Sheila, when I say a couple of people, I'm not exaggerating. I don't have a group of people, unfortunately. I have a couple of faithful brothers that are with this you know, in this with me. And God bless you too. You have also sown abundantly into this, Sheila. and I appreciate that. And some of your listeners and some of my listeners have done perhaps what they can do. And I'm very grateful that. God bless you. But overall, I have a couple of people who are helping us support a brand new Christian school that an Indian apostle started over there, which is also an orphanage. 70 precious souls that they've been able to take Either off the street because they were living on the street, eating out of garbage can. Some of them were found in garbage cans. When I was over there, Sheila, I think I shared with you, the little girl that waited on me hand and foot when I was over there, one who brought me my breakfast, brought me my tea when I came back from my crusades. And this little girl, this precious little twelve year old girl, was rescued out of a trash and God sovereignly leads these brothers and sisters over there, to find these children and bring them in. And not only do they save them from physical starvation and destruction, but they teach them Christ. They present Christ to them. These kids have the opportunity to receive Christ and receive the Holy Spirit and grow up as Christians and have eternal life. So this is what I'm talking about. Are you willing to give to this? Christian, if I, if I cannot promise you that if you do this... Jesus will give you a hundredfold back on your money. Would you still be willing to do this? Would you still be willing to give to such a cause? Would you be willing to give that I can go and hold crusades and preach to thousands of Hindus who have never heard the gospel of the real Jesus Christ? The only Jesus they know is some satanic or Roman Catholic image in their Hindu temples that they add to their plethora of gods that they worship and experience the power and the love and the miracle-working, supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I say to you, give in to this, and you, you will be part of saving, you know, who knows how many souls in another, in another land.
1: Yeah. See, can you
0: give without
1: direct profit back for you? Can you give without a taxable receipt?
0: (laughs) Yes. I can't give you a 501c3 taxable receipt. You know, you can go to the Red Cross and do that. But then how are you any different than the world? And that's what Jesus said, didn't he? I I hate to keep bringing up Jesus and what he had to say. I know it's annoying. But (laughs) again, Jesus said, how are you any better than the heathen? Because you take care of your own. Jesus says, give not expecting to return what did he say he said lend not expecting to return now he does say given it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together running over shall men pour into your bosom he does say those of you who have given up a hundredfold mothers brothers sisters so on and so forth lands houses so on you shall receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come with Persecutions See that connection of with persecutions has something to do with the hundredfold Jesus knew that these believers that he was speaking to much like believers in places like India and Pakistan and Muslim countries today when they took on the Christian faith, they would lose their families. They would lose their family inheritances. They would be disowned by their parents. They would lose their possessions and their lands and their houses. And then Jesus and the Holy Spirit would cause other believers to share their possessions with the believers who had been disinherited. That's what that scripture means, people. It's not an invitation to the casino to roll the dice and get a hundredfold back on the money that you throw down on your roll. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. Now, you can accept that, you can reject it, you know, you can say Marano's a nut, whatever. you can say whatever you want. But all I'm going to say to you is, these are not my words. Your fight is not with me. So, why are ministries like this not supported the way they should be? Because there's nothing to gain materially. And not only materially, I can't promise you position and title, because as you mentioned earlier, Sheila, Jesus had a hard word for religious people who love the praise of men more than the uh, acknowledgement of God. And that's what we have in the counterfeit church system again today, is that men crave the praises of men more than the acknowledgement from God of their good deeds. They do their good deeds, as Jesus said of the Pharisees, And the Sadducees, they do their good deeds to be seen of men. So men can reward them. Jesus said, well, then you have your reward. People who want to give to ministries like this have to be, are you ready for this? And, you know, you may never want to have me back again, Sheila, after this one. (laughs) Uh, People who give to ministries like this have to be real Christ followers. You know you people talk about revivals and awakenings and all then you want god to keep reforming that demonic system that you're in i think the real awakening the real sign of god moving amongst his people his true people will be when his people start supporting the real gospel and real ministry that's going to be the sign to god and to the unbelievers i believe Like it says in the scripture, they turned their world upside down. And it was the unbelievers who called them Christians because they were so much like this Christ that they followed. This will be when the world sees it and when God smiles down is when his true people start to support his true work and come out of the whore of Babylon, come out of her, my people. And be not partakers of her sins, and receive not of her place. But I'm going to say this, because we've said a lot of things in a very admonishing tone. I want to change the tone here at the end and say to you, I am convinced, as the Apostle Paul says in the Scriptures, I am convinced of better things of you, my brothers and sisters. I believe that the people that do come, Sheila, to listen to ministries like ours are ultimately seeking God's way. And they have to break out from a morass. They have to find their way out of a a giant labyrinth of lies and deception. And as you mentioned earlier, mind-blinding and programming propaganda that they've been exposed to probably since they were children in the false churches and by society. So it's not an easy thing. You know, that's why when Peter said to to Christ, he said, well, how can anyone, how can anyone come into the kingdom of God if this is really the state of things? And Jesus said, with me." men, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I'm convinced of you, my precious brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that we're not coming on here to beat you up and beat you down. We're just appealing to you that if you really have the seed of Christ in you, prove who you are. Jesus, you know, the scripture says, bring forth works worthy of repentance. James says, you're talking about faith and you're talking about works, which is the right way. James says, prove your faith by your works. And that's what I appeal to you people tonight. I say prove your faith by your works. Stop giving. If you're still giving to those false ministries that come under the, the broad definition of what we've talked about tonight, and you're still, you're listening to this, and you still go on giving to those demonic entities claiming to be ministries, then shame on you i find that when people stop giving to false ministries then they turn around and they won't give to any ministry bingo so people you know please okay it's wrong to give to false ministry (laughs) but it's right to give to true ministry don't starve out the true ministries because these criminals have been getting away with what they've been doing stop giving to the criminals You should double what you were given to the criminals just to make it right with God. Remember Zacchaeus? He was convicted of his sin when Jesus came to his town. He was up in the tree and he was watching Jesus and he was convicted of his sin. He was a tax collector. And he said to Jesus, as fruit of my repentance, a proof of my repentance, I'm going to pay back seven times what I've unjustly taken. He was practicing the law, what the law had to say. So I say to you people that have been giving to these false ministries for years, now you realize, God bless you, you've woken up, you've heard the word of the Lord, you know it's wrong, you've stopped giving to those false ministries. But now it's time to bring forth fruit worthy of your repentance and give to the true ministries much more. Than you ever gave to the false ministries Because more than likely In your giving there was a wicked motive And you turned away from it Well go all the way now And turn around and say you know what God as unto you I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to support Real ministries much more Than I ever supported these false ministries Because I want to support the gospel And Lord I know you're going to bless me for it But I'm not doing it in order to get a return and I want to share with you people personally my testimony. God does give back to me abundantly. God blesses me. I give all the time without expecting any type of promise of a return in the regard I've been talking about. And God blesses me. He does. He gives back to me more than I can can ever expect to receive. He does do that. But it's a different dynamic than what we've been talking about tonight that's, you know, in the theater of the enemy which is giving with a with a you know a carnal, corrupt, self-centered, monetary-motivated method. So I just encourage people, please take this to heart. And you know what? It is going to happen. I mean, I've slowed down a lot of what I've done. I used to do a lot more. I've slowed it down. I've had to go into the secular world and, and make a living and do what I had to do. And I know that Sheila is in the same position where she's telling you, you know, she's going to go off. And you know what? At some point, I believe that the Lord is going to move on his real vessels that are speaking his true word and say, you know what? Enough. They're not listening. They're not supporting. They don't want to follow my way. All right. Let there be a famine of the word of the Lord in the land. So just ponder that, folks, and think about it. And as I say again, I am convinced of better things of you, my brothers and sisters. I believe that there is a remnant out there of true believers that God is speaking to and raising up to truly support the real ministry of Jesus Christ in this last hour. And that remnant needs to stand up already and start supporting the ministry. Otherwise, you know, God's going to just start, he's going to start pulling it away. I, I'm telling you that in the, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, amen. And he will turn you over, as Romans 1 says. He'll turn people over to a reprobate mind to do that which is unseemly. He'll let his people be raped and pillaged by the wolves at some point if they're not really his people because they're not following what he, what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? So people, please, I know that there are real, real believers in Christ listening to it. And Jesus said, it's amazing, and I'll end with this. All the teaching today, shield, and mainly in the uh, supposed Christian church, is based on how to get what we need from God, isn't it? Yeah. People go to church to learn the principles, the rules, the steps, Teased, uh, whatever you want to call it, of how to con God or coerce God out of something that you need and want. Meanwhile, Jesus starts the New Testament saying that these are the very things that we should take no thought about. For our Father knows that we have need of these things and that if we seek the kingdom of God first and all his right way of doing things, God will abundantly supply us with all those things he will add those things unto us so all this faith teaching is actually anti-faith because the initial faith that jesus tells us to have is not to worry about what we shall eat what we shall drink what we shall put on to wear not to worry about tomorrow i mean go read matthews 6 and 7 people and see what jesus has to say about our natural needs, our existential needs, our material needs. He has a totally different take than what you go to listen to every Sunday from supposed uh, preachers of the word.
1: Well said, well said, Danny. Danny, I would appreciate if you could give out your information. Please, listeners, as a favor to me, as more of a favor to you, I'm asking you to get behind Danny's ministry and please generously give to this missions trip in November. It is very important. I personally know the kind of anointing that Danny has for healing and deliverance, which was ironically two-thirds of Jesus Christ ministry, not a popular thing today. And he is such a A powerful anointing. Y'all got to see Danny live someday because I'm going to tell you something. There's very few men that I can think of right now, with the exception really of Augusto Perez and Danny Morano, that really have that powerful anointing of healing and deliverance. And the Holy Spirit really moves through signs following. This is what we are supposed to be seeing, folks. Remember that one. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Wow. Danny, I want to see your PayPal lit up like a Christmas tree. I really I'm believing that people are going to step up and support you. That's what i believe i know you're trying to raise about fifteen thousand dollars i'm believing even more will come in for those precious brothers over there amen
0: amen amen thank you so much folks for taking the time to hear our heart tonight we appreciate you and we love you and uh, we bless you in the name of jesus thank you for being the few that are even willing to come and listen to such a thing we thank you for that uh, I want to give you my information, my ministry, of course, many of you are familiar with already, God Is Not Religious. Uh, my website is godisnotreligious.net if you go onto that website, I mean, you could spend months on that website getting your foundation in Christ. I mean, there's just unbelievable teachings, not only from myself, but the other brothers that work with me. My books are on there. You can purchase my books on there. I have seven books on there that I know will give you great revelation and foundation. Uh, along with our podcasts, we have several of ours that we've done up on my website that Sheila and I have done. I just put up uh, one that we did a little a while ago baptism in the holy spirit and speaking in tongues many of you have those questions go listen to that and also right on the uh the home page there's a donate button on the bottom of the homepage. you can hit that button it will take you to a page where you can donate to my ministry through paypal That's the best way to do it from all over the world. PayPal is great. I mean, no matter what country you're in, you can send money and it's there instantly. So please visit that website. You can give through the homepage. You'll see the donate button at the bottom. You can give there. Also, we have a Facebook page, which is very active. You're welcome to submit your post as well as enjoy what's what's presented on there from myself and from others. And we also have, along with that, a weekly fellowship meeting on Sunday evenings, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's an open forum where people can come on and it's not just a preaching and a teaching. It's really more of a discussion. And we let the Holy Spirit lead. I don't come on there and just preach and everybody sits and listens. People pray for each other. There's prayer for healing. There's prayer for your needs. There's prayer for deliverance. So those are all the resources you can get to my ministry. I like to hear from you just as much as I like you to hear from me. So God is not religious dot net is the website. God Is Not Religious Facebook page, God Is Not Religious YouTube, you can find us all on there. Uh, Before we end, Sheila, I just want to pray for the people. Holy Spirit, you've been here through this discussion. And Lord, we realize that even though we've spoken all about these things on a natural level, with spiritual wisdom, We still realize where our fight is. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people in this, Lord. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places, evil spirits. And right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we take authority over the mind-blinding Propaganda programming demonic strongholds, religious demonic strongholds that Satan and his hordes have placed on people's minds who are trying to find Christ, trying to follow Christ, who have come under the spell of witchcraft. And Gnosticism in these false counterfeit churches, these Masonic temples that pose as Christian churches, we break this off their minds right now in Jesus' name. We cast down imaginations. We pull down every imagination and every high thing which exalts itself against the knowledge of God and we command every thought concerning the things we've spoken about tonight to be brought into captivity under the obedience of Jesus Christ of Nazareth we break the spell over you in Jesus name that has come in that's the way Paul Paul said who hath bewitched you this is a demonic spell that has been cast over people to cause them to give to Satan and his kingdom instead of giving to Jesus and his kingdom. And we break that where two of us agree, two or more of us agree on earth, is touching any one thing, we have what we say. We can speak to this mountain of apostasy, of heresy, of greed and covetousness. We speak to this mountain and we command it to be rooted up, and cast into the abyss where it belongs and we command the people of God's minds and hearts and emotions and souls and spirits and bodies to be free right now in Jesus name be free people of Christ right now think with your own mind feel with your own heart and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit tonight no longer listening to the seducing spirits and doctrines of demons we break it right now in jesus name holy spirit permeate these precious people invade them lord those who have not received the baptism in the holy spirit come upon them lord come into them release your person and your presence and your power into these people in the name of jesus and people be baptized in the holy spirit and fire with evidence of speaking in tongues and prophesying and moving in the miraculous gifts of healing and deliverance and everything, mighty signs and wonders, everything that the Holy Spirit has in his ministry, in the ministry of Jesus, we release right now. We baptize you. I just see this group of people just going under the waters The cleansing waters, the purifying waters, as the scripture says, that your mind be renewed by the washing of the water of the word of God. Lord, I ask you to give a true righteous brainwashing to your people. Wash their minds clean of all this propaganda and this religious fakery, this Simon the Magician charismatic Gnostic religion that they've been listening to. Wash their minds clean of this pimped out false prosperity gospel and all this false stuff That they have been fed by doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. And right now, we impart, we impart in Jesus' name, the engrafted milk and meat of the word of God. Receive it, people. Receive it. Follow the true Christ follow the true Holy Spirit, follow the true Father, the true Abba God. In the name of Jesus Christ, bless your people, Lord, and let there be an uproar, let there be a turning over of the ground here, Lord. Let this this no longer be ground full of thorns and thistles, the cares and anxieties of this life, the lust of other things entering in, And the deceitfulness of riches. Let your people no longer be deceived by those who are deceiving and being deceived themselves. Those who come to them in sheep's clothing but are really ravenous wolves underneath. Those who promise them freedom, liberty, which another word for that is grace. They promise them grace, liberty, but they themselves are the slaves of corruption, and debauchery through the love of money and filthy lucre. Set your people free, Father, in Jesus' name, and we give you all the praise, and we thank you for it in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ of
1: Nazareth. Amen. Amen, Danny. Thank you so much for that very, very powerful prayer, and I am believing that people are really going to get behind you. You're a true friend. You're a true blessing, and I really believe that people are going to support you, Danny, and that the funds are going to come in exceedingly abundantly, even more than you could ever imagine, Danny. That's what I'm hoping for. Thank you so much for blessing my listeners on this broadcast today. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Dylan. thank you for standing with me and for the courage and the boldness and the commitment to Christ's righteous way that you're showing. I really, really appreciate it. God bless you.
1: Thanks, Danny. Folks, that was Dr. Danny Morano. His information is linked there below. Godisnotreligious.net. Godisnotreligious.net. And I really appreciate you getting behind a very powerful ministry such as Danny Murano's His information is linked below. And I believe that he's going to get exceedingly more than he could ever think of hope for, ask for, or even wish for. I appreciate so much you tuning into the broadcast today. I will not be in Branson, as many of my patrons already know. That my patrons got an update, and so did the people that are subscribed to my e newsletter. I hope I still have a program here in the weeks to come, but I'm telling you folks, it's not just Danny here. I am asking for some people to come alongside this ministry. For those of you that have the means to come alongside, I don't want to go off the air, but I'm also getting fed up with this folks. I'm being very honest. It's not right that I have to ask this all the time and that I'm losing patrons in the drove. That's not right. It's just not right, folks. I don't think God thinks it's right either. And I don't think God is happy with it. So you go fast and pray and you ask God where he wants you to put your money. Maybe God gave you that good job so you can support ministries that are struggling because they're not preaching a popular every day is a Friday message. So think about that. Because as Danny said, maybe God will allow people like us to just go away. I really do think God's going to put an end to this fairly quickly. Listen, you're not accountable to me. You're accountable to him. If you eat the meat of this program, and you're not supporting it, well, then you've got to deal with God on that issue. And I do hope that you go back and listen to this show today. It's an important one. The ones that have stood loyally behind me, and supported me. I want to thank you. Thank you very much. Those that financially support me every month, I really want to give you a special thank you. It is greatly appreciated. That is a special mention to you folks. And tonight, lastly, I want to give two special mentions. Deborah, I want to thank you. She's been helping me with my headlines. She's been such a huge support and a true help in this time. And I'm sure you can appreciate how absolutely busy this ministry is. There's a lot of demand that has been put on this ministry. People contact me from all over the world for prayer, for deliverance. They beg and plead. You can imagine the inundation that I get. In addition to doing shows, I'm sure you can imagine how absolutely busy I am. And I do want to lastly give special thank you to William Donovan and you know what for And I want to thank you so much, William. You are greatly appreciated. God bless you, William. And God bless you, Deborah. And i just like to say, I love my prayer team, too. A shout out to you guys. Why don't I go out of the show today, leaving you with, well, a little taste of, as Danny calls him, Kenneth, can you cope with heresy? Well, let's listen to what he has to say about finances, shall we? We'll see you real soon. Good night, and God bless
2: tell you this now don't don't get disturbed because he said three billionaires now don't I don't want you to get disturbed because uh since I'm one of them it'll only leave two more I'm not one of those three since I already am one (laughs) I've already appropriated that I've been walking in that a long time now, don't tell them senators this. <laughs> the last time we totaled it up, which has been some time ago, uh, two, three years ago, so there would probably be at least 150 million more added to this. Well, our income last year was over $100 million. So uh, there has been over a billion three come into this ministry since it's went into operation. I'm not a billionaire because there's been over a billion dollars come through this ministry. I am a billionaire because the assignment that the Lord gave me, he said, I want you to begin to confess the billion flow."